Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, a conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have the first part in our discussion on Paul and Palestinian Judaism. Well, Scott, it's good to be back talking with you here um, between me moving out to the Denver area and a few other episodes that we've had. It seems like it's been a while since we've had a, a normal podcast conversation. It has been a while, but uh, it's time to get back at it uh, as we look today at E.P. Sanders' famous book from 1977, still very much alive in New Testament studies. Yeah, so we're coming back with a fury. We're not just talking today about E.P. Sanders' book, but it's going to actually be a a five-part series. And how we're kind of looking to set this up is to make this an opportunity where you can follow along with us as as the listeners um, and also to hear back from you. So um, we would love to have you join us in this journey going through Paul and Palestinian Judaism. We'll talk about it more, but we really see there as three options of how to participate with us. You could either, um, and the first would be the most involved in reading along with us week by week, um, working through the material, and then engaging with us on any questions that you have. Um, Let us know what you think of the chapters, uh, any questions that it's not clear that you want to ask Scott. You know, we'll talk about those every week. So um, either sending me an email at crobins, that's C-R-O-B-B-I-N-S, at seminary.edu, or you can um, uh, submit through our ASCOT portion of the website on, on Northern's website. Um, but we'd love to have you engage that way. Or you could just read along, grab the book. We've got a deal that I want to tell you about in just a second. Or, um, or you can just listen each week to the episodes and do that. So, um, Scott, we talked to Fortress Press, and they got a pretty good deal for our listeners, don't they? Yes, they do. And uh, you have the details of the deal. But... Uh... Um, I'll, I'll introduce it this way. In my uh, career as a New Testament professor, uh, I, I only would, would rate five, four or five books as truly phenomenal books that I think everybody should read who's serious about New Testament studies. And the first one in the list is E.P. Sanders, Paul and Palestinian Judaism. The second one is a, a book by Jimmy Dunn called Unity and Diversity in the New Testament or in Early Christianity. A third one is N.T. Wright's New Testament and the People of God. A fourth one is Martin Hengel, Hellenism and Judaism or Judaism and Hellenism. And the fifth one is John Barclay's Paul and the Gift. I might add a sixth one and that would be Douglas Campbell's The Deliverance of God. But um, I, I rank Sanders as the beginning of all of these New Testament studies, Dunn and Wright built on Sanders. Barclay, in many ways, takes into consideration. Hengel is at variance with E.P. Sanders, and because he is so much at variance, there's not as many people reading Martin Hengel anymore, and so therefore maybe people would go to Douglas Campbell. So those are those are the big books. So. We're looking at one of the big books in New Testament studies. 
yeah, so this is an important discussion, important concepts to know, you know, what really is continuing to influence the direction of New Testament scholarship today. So we hope you join us. And like I said, that deal is going to be um, Fortress Press has said for our Kingdom Root listeners, we'll take half off the book. So if that's something wow. that you'd be interested in um, getting this book 50% off, I'm going to include a link in the show notes that you just fill out. Let me know that you're interested and I'll let you know how you can obtain a copy of this book and read along with us as well. One other option, um, we're going to be sharing this podcast on social media, on Facebook and Twitter through our Northern page. And if you as our Kingdom Root listeners get on right away and share this episode, I'm going to put you in a, a drawing that I will do uh, in the, the next couple of days for a free copy of the book, uh, as well as, Scott, I don't think I even told you this. You but didn't, I didn't I, know about this one. I, I'm, I'm I getting, thought 50% off was pretty good. I know. As a wait, there's more. Uh, I, I'm including the book and... I've got some I have a bean coffee to give oh, to the winner of that. So I thought you might like to coffee. hear that. The best coffee. <laughs> Isn't it? So <laughs> uh, a little bit of coffee to get you going, read the book. But uh, like Scott said, this is such an important book. And I guess I would get things kicked off here in our discussion and just ask, why did Sanders do this massive study in the first place? What led him to want to undertake his study? Um. Ed Sanders, E.P. Sanders, uh, actually talks about this in an essay of his, uh, but let me let me put it in a summary form, and then um, I'll try to answer that question. At the time of E.P. Sanders writing this, it was in his early academic days, uh, he was interested in mapping the religions of Judaism and Christianity in a time when universities— we're just beginning to open up departments of religion. And so Sanders came along at the right time providing a map of Judaism. But at the time he wrote that book, there was also another thing going on, and that was a deeply entrenched understanding of Judaism that was an, an absolute foil to Christianity. And uh, Judaism at that time was seen as a works religion, some people thought it went all the way back into the Old Testament religion. Others just thought it was post-Old Testament degrading of Old Testament faith that became a works-based religion. And over against that works-based religion, we have especially Paul uh, offering people grace and God's goodness. And it's not on the basis of works. It's on the basis of grace. The Pharisees when Sanders wrote this book, were understood by most people to be legalists, um, so a, a stereotype of what some are, uh, would call Puritans, and uh, that's a stereotype of Puritans, especially I'm one who likes to read the Puritans. But at any rate, the Pharisees were seen as sanctimonious. Uh, one of the words often used is pettifogging. They were judgmental. They were critical. They were uh, legalists. And Jesus and Paul liberated people, Christianity liberated people from the law and from all this sanctimoniousness. And that was a very typical understanding of Judaism at the time. So what Sanders knew was that if you study Judaism, and he loved he loved reading the Mishnah. I don't know if, if Sanders still does. 
I'm not sure. Uh, but at that time, he spent, I believe, an entire year in Jerusalem reading uh, Mishnah with a very gifted rabbi so that he would understand how Mishnah worked. And um, Sanders wanted to demonstrate to especially Christian readers of the New Testament and Christian statements about Judaism that it was a long way from what Judaism actually was, so that Christians are reacting to a stereotype, a caricature, and a gross inaccuracy about what Judaism was. So Sanders' book is very polemical, and he goes after especially German Lutheran interpretations. Um, and so Sanders is no fan of Martin Hengel uh, in many ways, but but um, he critiqued Joachim Jeremias, who at the time when I came of age as a New Testament uh, scholar, professor, and I was doing my Ph.D., Joachim Jeremias' work on Jesus was seen as, as the best thing going, and he just leveled uh, Joachim Jeremias. Now, I didn't always agree with Sanders' polemics, but he certainly put a big challenge into the way Jeremias was doing his work. Sanders also challenged uh, uh, Franz Weber, uh, or Ferdinand Weber, a, a German scholar. He, he went after Emil Schurer. He went especially after Strock and Billerbeck, which was the standard anthology of New Testament texts with their uh, rabbinic and Jewish text background. So you, you look up Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, or 9 through 15 on the Lord's Prayer, and you find parallels in the Jewish world. Many of them printed out, especially rabbinic texts that Christians didn't have access to. And he excoriated some of these sources and some of these books and, and showed that they fall way short of what Judaism was actually about. So that is why Sanders wrote the book. He wrote it because he was interested in Judaism and Christianity as religions, and he wanted to correct Christian misreadings, and I think the, the better way, gross misreadings of Judaism. And so if I understand it right, the method that he chose to pursue his study was really that of comparison, as opposed to what he was kind of challenging was the fact that much of the study of Judaism for Christians was done through the lens of the New Testament. And so they were they were looking at that and trying to say, well, this is what Judaism was by looking through the New Testament without, I guess, going back to the source documents. That may not be a, a fair character. Yeah. But that kind no, of I think there's what, something what it is from my perspective. Yeah. There there's something about this is that if you read Matthew 23, where Jesus, to use a word again, excoriates the Pharisees then Christians pick up the idea that the Pharisees of Matthew 23 is a perfect mirror of what Pharisees were like, and all Pharisees were like those Pharisees, and all of Judaism was like those Pharisees. So all Pharisees and all Jews are pettifogging legalists concerned with minutiae and not the, the better things about the will of God. That's, that's pretty typical. And if you read uh, Paul, he can be polemical about the law at times. And if you pick up all the polemical statements, all the negatives, and then say that's what Judaism was, 
then you have a pretty, pretty strong opponent and you have what Sanders would call a foil, what is clearly a misunderstanding of what Judaism was like. So what people like me uh, who were learning from Sanders, Jimmy Dunn, my teacher, E.P. Uh, N.T. Wright, who was learning from uh, E.P. Sanders as well, we went back to the sources. And I remember spending a lot of time examining everything written about Pharisees uh, that that reputably could come from the first century. And my conclusion was very similar to Jacob Neusner's three-volume rabbinic traditions on the Pharisees, is that they were a, a table fellowship group of people, and um, they were not legalists in, in many ways. They were democratizers of the law who wanted everybody to follow the law from the heart. Um, so so we have to recognize the polemical nature of the way things are said in the Gospels and not equate that with the totality of Judaism. So yes, Chaz, that's an important thing for Sanders to make, is that we cannot rely on the New Testament for a completely objective and, uh, let's say, comprehensive sketch of Judaism. That's not what New Testament Christianity is yeah, doing. Yeah, which I think makes his study, you know, so valuable and significant in New Testament yeah. studies. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that we need to know as we enter into his text and his work on his methodology and how he approached his study, other than that it was really more comparison than looking through the New Testament and, and asserting what Judaism was? Well, uh, let's remember this, that Sanders' goal was to find what he called the pattern of religion. Now, I think Sanders did this really well, except that uh, there's been a pretty steady critique, and I think there's something to it uh, that that uh, should make us a little bit more cautious. And that is, um, one of his ways of describing the pattern of religion was sort of, how do you get in and how do you stay in a religion? Well, this uh, has been critiqued by some Jewish scholars and then picked up by Christian scholars that this is a very Christian way of trying to understand Judaism. In other words, it's on, it's based on soteriology and even on the doctrines connected to conversion. Now, I've read Sanders a number of times, and I'm not convinced that that's completely fair, but it is an important point. And that is the pattern of religion in Judaism is, I would say, distinctively different than the pattern of religion for converts to Christianity. And the pattern of religion in Judaism is far more like the pattern of religion for children who grow up in faithful Catholic or, let's say, faithful Anglican homes, faithful Baptist homes, where they grow up uh, believing, and uh, that's more like the pattern of religion. So getting in is not as important as being, let's say, catechized in the way of life connected to that faith. So when it comes to method, I would want to add that pattern of religion that sometimes critique that it was a too, too Christian of an approach to understanding the pattern of Judaism and um, a recognition that the pattern of religion is that he that is characteristic of Judaism, in many ways is characteristic also of Christianity in in many of its 
major forms. That's good to know. And now earlier you had mentioned in prefacing the book just its significant impact on its how, that it's made and Sanders' work has has had on the new perspective even being something that has happened and other New Testament study. What would you say how this work in particular has impacted New Testament study? Well, Chaz, I, I would uh, I would venture to say as I kind of said already that it's it's probably if you go back to the beginning of the 20th century you would have to add something by Rudolf Bultmann and then maybe also by Ernst Kazemann um, and maybe start earlier and go with Albert Schweitzer but it is clearly one of the top five books of the 20th century in New Testament studies so let's put it with that way first the second thing is this, it, um, it reshaped or it put together Judaism and reshaped how everybody thinks about Judaism in the, in the New Testament studies today. Even Jewish scholars uh, who come at this far more organically than E.P. Sanders, um, like Shia Cohen, who is, I consider one of the great Jewish scholars of our day, on the back of this book said, E.P. Sanders, Paul and Palestinian Judaism is a modern classic. It changed the way we look at Paul and the way we look at ancient Judaism. 40 years later, it is still worth reading and worth arguing about. And it was, it was also blurbed by Paula Fredrickson, who is a, a Roman Catholic convert to Judaism, and she con considers it also a great book. So, uh, on, on that one, there's very little doubt. Sanders then went to write another book called Judaism, Practice, and Belief, which I consider to be just as important as Paul and Palestinian Judaism, because it mapped Judaism through the lens of first century texts, especially Josephus and the practices of Judaism. And it gives us a completely reframing way of looking at the Judaism of first century and the Judaism that Jesus and the apostles were facing and interacting with and emerging out of or embedding themselves in, in, in many ways. So I consider it to be uh, the most significant book that reshaped all of New Testament studies after 1977. Yeah, so definitely an important work. Um, one of the things that interests Oh, I, I want to say this. Um, many people think that the new perspective began with E.P. Sanders, Jimmy Dunn, and N.T. Wright. That's correct, but not totally correct. So to quote Flannery O'Connor, it's right, but it just ain't right enough. E.P. Sanders is just as much behind the apocalyptic group of scholars and just as much behind the post uh post-New Perspective scholars like Mark Nanos um, as he is behind the New Perspective. And in fact, in many ways, the New Perspective on Paul is something that Jimmy Dunn and N.T. Wright developed on the basis of E.P. Sanders, but the Paul of E.P. Sanders is not the Paul of Jimmy Dunn or N.T. Wright. The Paul of E.P. Sanders in many ways, is closer to the Paul of the apocalyptic school and 
uh, I haven't mentioned him yet. Uh, it's also uh, similar to the view of Michael Gorman, who, who also builds uh, on E.P. Sanders, and so also does John John Barkley, though he modifies Sanders to say that Sanders did not have a full enough understanding of grace uh, in the Jewish world to pose the Judaism uh, versus the Paul that we often talk about. So uh, I hope that I hope that makes a clarification. No, I think that's good, and I encourage. Sanders is not then a part of the new perspective. He's the foundation of the new. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'd encourage you um, when you pick up the book, the new edition, the 40th anniversary edition has a foreword by Mark Chancy, who does a great job kind of capturing some of those things. And I would wonder, Scott, if you could kind of clarify those different Pauls that you mentioned, like Dunn's Paul, and I know you said like Barclay didn't necessarily agree on how um, Sanders emphasized grace uh, or the lack thereof. Um, but how would you distinguish between some of those different views of Paul between those scholars? Well, that's a complex conversation, Chaz. That, that could take a long time. But um, let's say the Reformation or, or um, the what's sometimes called the old perspective. It was called the old perspective because the new perspective came along and the new perspective by Jimmy Dunn posed it over against the old perspective. And then some of the old perspective people said, no, we have the original perspective. So it got uh, kind of twisted. But the, I, I think a major dimension of this is that the old, the old perspective or the Reformation perspective, the Augustinian perspective, emphasizes reading Paul through the lens of human beings who are obligated by God to be righteous and who in many ways try to substantiate themselves before God rather than trusting in God's grace and God's provision of righteousness in Christ. That's a, that's a big emphasis. So justification by faith is there. Incidentally, in a, new, a brand new book, I think it comes out Friday, officially published by Joe Modica and I. We were the co-editors called Preaching Romans, Four Views, um, Four Perspectives. We have an essay by Stephen Westerholm that sketches the Reformation. I do the new perspective. Douglas Campbell does the apocalyptic perspective. And Michael Gorman does the participationist perspective. And it, that book provides a nice summary of each of those perspectives. Um, though that's not all the perspectives on Paul, but that's that's a beginning to get the conversation started. Sure, that's good. I'll definitely um, link in the show notes to that resource if you'd be interested. So um, last question here, Scott, as we encourage our listeners to not just participate, not just listen to our conversation uh, about the different parts of this book that we'll walk through. Um, what would the value of the, a reader be to actually dig into the material and read it for themselves? What would they gain? Well, okay, let me say this. Number one, as I have uh, in my life in the last 35 years as a professor, uh, heard a lot of people criticize E.P. Sanders and the so-called new perspective without ever having read E.P. Sanders or the Jewish texts. They just know they're wrong. 
Uh, this is unfair. So those are the people who, first of all, need to read Sanders to see what he says. The second thing is Sanders is goes to great length to try to look at the Jewish texts themselves rather than let Christian categories impose themselves on them or Christian critiques uh, lead to misreadings of those texts. So there's a, there's a nice sampling of texts here, a collection of texts that Sanders quotes that it's not just summaries. He actually allows you to read large portions of rabbinic texts that many people don't have access to and have never read. So there is a genuine interaction and description and discussion of the actual Jewish texts that help us understand what first century Judaism was actually like and how that pattern of religion worked. So I think that would be one of the best things. The other, the other part of it, that would be number one. Number two would be you get to read uh, someone in, who in many ways changed the style of New Testament scholarly writing. He used first person singular, I. He was clear and direct, and he was polemical. So there's fun. There's uh, some jagged edges. There's some, some drama. There's some blast. There's some drama. There's some blasting away. And as you read the book, you keep saying, okay, 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 this is really something. Now what's it going to mean for Paul? So there's drama and plot and arc to the book. And um, the third thing is this. I believe it is important to read great books. Um, it is too easy to read textbooks. But there are some great books in New Testament studies, like J.C. Becker's Paul the Apostle. That is a great book. Uh, W.D. Davies' Paul and Rabbinic Judaism. That is a great book. Those books need to be read. We read far too much junk books, books that are here today, gone tomorrow, books that are about books rather than books that make genuine contributions. So I would, I would urge people to read this because this is the interaction with a, with a scholar who knows how to look at the evidence, who studies the evidence, who maps the evidence, and he does so with engaging prose and with significance. Uh, N.T. Wright wrote Paul uh, and His Recent Interpreters. I think that's the title of it. And in it, he goes after other people. And, and I've said this. It was fun to read because of the polemics, because of the personal edge to the book. There was something about the book that mattered. Some people write colorless prose that seems to be empirical and objective and when it's over, it was boring. Nothing about the New Testament, about Jesus, about Paul, about Peter, about John should ever be boring. These people were in the midst of very deep drama in the Roman Empire and the Jewish world. And, and you have to engage in the drama to make sense of these people well. So uh, those, are my, uh, those are my concluding thoughts. No, that's great. And I think that just shows the importance of you know, this opportunity that we have uh, with this resource to read. And yeah, with this great deal on the book, I think that's awesome. 50% off for people 
to buy it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Great. And so don't miss that. Um, make sure you go to our show notes and find the link there where you can fill out a form to let me know you're interested. And I'll let you know what you have to do to contact Fortress Press to get that deal. And um, and yeah, we look forward to hoping that you join us in participating. Um, please share this episode too. You know, we want to, to share this resource and this valuable information with as many people as possible. And um, our podcast wouldn't be what it is without you. And so, um, yeah, please share this and, we'll, and I'll put that drawing together. And, and um, this next Monday, uh, February 17th, or excuse me, um, February 18th, um, anybody who posts before then, I'll put the, uh, you all in that drawing and announce that for our next episode that we'll have. And please send me questions too. We'd love to hear what you think of the book, questions that you have for Scott. And as you track together with us, such an important opportunity for us to dig into Judaism so that we can have a better understanding of how the kingdom took root, which is what our podcast is all about. So thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to be with you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now.